When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with me, your host Sean Bastow, joined as always by Johnston Brown, here to break down and give our reaction to the weekend's boxing, which featured Canelo Alvarez stepping up and winning the WBO Light Heavyweight Championship of the World, stopping Kovalev within 11 rounds. We're also going to be talking about Katie Taylor making history, becoming two-weight world champion, and also about Crawler's final fight, the last dance, and how much of a struggle that appeared to be for him on the night. But before we get into it, as always, fight fans, please go and check us out on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. You can also subscribe to the podcast by checking us out on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review if you are already subscribed. And if you've not, what are you doing? Get subscribing. Also, if you're an Android user, you can find us on any good available podcasting app like Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM. You can find us on CastBox. You can find us on TuneIn. You can also find us on Spotify. Get subscribing, get following, and get sharing all the latest episodes that we put out there. It truly helps us. So... As always, we've got Johnston Brown here to break this down. Massive fight over the weekend. It went the way I predicted it would go, and not too far away from the way you thought it would go. But overall, it was a it was a compelling affair, weren't it? Yeah, it was. A, it was another good weekend boxing. Um, wasn't as good in terms of uh, looking at the last few weeks. We've had some really great fights. This one was a lot more. It was intriguing. Um, it took a, a while for it to, to spark into life, but when it did, it was an unbelievable, blistering, devastating stoppage from Sal Canelo Alvarez. And 
And, you know, I didn't think personally that he would be able to stop him. And I know you called it early, Sean. So, that, you know, that was a great pick from yourself. But what a fantastic finish. That left hook was was absolutely brilliant. The way he sort of disguised that to the body and lifted that quite quickly to the head and, and sent him on giraffe legs, if you like, and then finished him off with that right hand. It was a stunning finish from Canelo. And, you know, I can't knock the fella. I've had any problems with him. I'm sure we all have, but I'm not really going to discredit the, the win because I think he deserves a higher praise for it um, even if you can pick out the fact that Kovalev is slightly on the decline and you know he's a bit of a drug cheat but I'm not that's the, that's the only time I'm going to say it and I'm going to just say that you know what he deserves pure credit tonight and and, and rightly so well, I'll tell you what, it was a it was a near enough a great pick from me. I was just one round out. I said between seven and ten and he, he did it in eleven and I was uh, I was quite compelled by the fight to be honest with you because the the early rounds were very much all Kovalev and he kind of come out doing what I expected him to do, what I kind of said he he should do really, which was to kind of basically stick it on Canelo, you know, not give him the space to work. And then as obviously the fight wore on, you could see it was not going to last with that that game plan because Canelo's age is going to catch up, and you know can, um, Kovalev's age is going to catch up, and Canelo's conditioning is going to be supreme as it always has been, and it eventually did catch up with him. And yeah, the way he disguised, uh, you know, left to the body, right to the head, I thought it was was brilliant, absolutely brilliant work from Canelo Alvarez, and you know I think he deserved it, and he just deserved the credit for winning that fight, and he does deserve the credit for for some of the stuff that he has achieved in the sport. I think there's a lot of people out there, however, that do feel still a little bit like they want to discredit him. And and the reason they want to discredit him is obviously because of the fact that we had the whole Kalambucharo scandal. Now, I don't want to go into the ins and outs of this uh, and, and waste a full episode going in this again. But, I mean, my issue has always been, if you've been caught... And you've been tested positive for 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 a substance. It's a banned substance. Then you you're a drugs cheat essentially. And yes, he's only been caught with the one time. Has there any been any other times? We will never know. And do I condone it? No, I never have done. But I can't knock the fact that he's gone in there against a guy who's much bigger than him and done the business and stopped him in eleven rounds. Yeah, okay, he might be at the end of his career, but. For me, that's still very, very impressive what he's achieved in the sport so far. There was a list of what he's achieved in the sport so far at the age of only 29. And the list was pretty pretty fantastic, to be honest with you, when you look at what he's actually achieved you know, in the sport in terms of titles. And I'm just going to read this little list out to to yourself and to the listeners to sort of put it into perspective what he's actually done, you know, throughout his career. So he's won the WBA, WBC and WBO Super Welterweight titles, the Ring Magazine Super Welterweight title, the WBA Middleweight title, the WBC Middleweight title twice, the IBF Middleweight title, the Ring Magazine Middleweight title twice, the WBA regular, and I say that in inverted commas, super middleweight <laughs> title, and now the WBA light heavyweight title, and that is all at the age of 29. So that's in 14 years of being a professional. Surely now there's got to be a little bit of a case for him being one of the best Mexican fighters ever. Yep, I can't sort of disagree with it. I think I think the problem is, for me, is the fact that, you know, it is because Kovlev was the end of, Sort of, he's coming to the back end of his career, and it was the perfect time for him to fight Kovalev. I think he'd done 
a similar thing with Golovkin. I think he, he held out for an extra year, waited for him to get a little bit older, a um, little bit more, a bit more wear and tear on Golovkin, um, and it helped him. Um, and I think that's the one thing I'll say that the two big names there really that I think are big names are the ones that, you know, he, he waited until the latter stages. And, and he did, you know, I mean, I know uh, recently um, there has been, um, uh, I think Eric Morales has come out and said that he's basically cherry-picked his way through the division. Um, uh, maybe so, maybe so. I think that's probably the one discredit you can you can say. But at the end of the day, he's gone up to £175. It's not his division and uh, he's beaten Kovlev. Um, we've just seen a young guy in the yard try to do the same thing, fight Kovlev, hoping that he was coming to the end of his career and he, um, he, he got stopped. Um, so, although, again, I mean, the fight itself, it was intriguing, wasn't it? He was watching. For me, I felt Kovlev was, was in front. I, I didn't know what the scores were until the morning after. I think I think you put something, or eat, sleep, repeat, put something out there and actually mentioned the fact that it was 96-94 in Kello's favour, which I was on my way to football in the morning and I see that and I was like, wow, well, you know, I might not have got the actual result right, um, but I did think that Alvarez would win this fight by unanimous decision, and I thought he'd win it with a dubious card. Um, and I think that was the way it was heading. For me, Kovlev was in control, all, although towards the end you could see he was tiring. It was a game plan from Canelo. He, he, he identified that. He said he was going to tire it, and eventually he's going to get to him, and that's exactly what happened. So credit to him, he got his game plan right. You know, if, if Kovlev had held on a little bit longer and it had gone to the judges, I think um, a few people would have been uh, really discrediting the performance as much as they are at the minute. But look, let's be honest, it was a fantastic finish. For me, the way he threw that left, uh, he was targeting the body at times, obviously. He was he was trying to go to the head. And, and you could see that when I've watched that finish so many times now, the way Kovlev sort of expects it to go to the body and he, he sort of drifts it up and catches him to the head it's just a great shot and, and it just shows you just the class that this this guy adds you know in the ring when you look at his performances you can't knock Canelo Alvarez um, but you can knock some of the judging um, and I'm not just talking about Golovkin I'm talking about the Lara fight as well which I watched again recently that's another fight he got away with I do think you know, if he wants to be the biggest name in Mexico and, and literally be the greatest ever I think maybe he needs to fight outside away from America. Um, if he's going to drop down to super middleweight, come over to Anfield, take on Callum Smith, a guy who's in his prime super middleweight. Or if you're feeling really optimistic, go and fight the Russian uh, Baturviev and see how you get on against him. That's that's for me. If he wins those two fights, any of those two fights, I think there will cement his legacy. I agree with that. I think that's the only way to do it, given what has happened in his past, given the fact that he had the Clambuterol scandal. That's always going to be that asterisk against his career. That will always be there, unfortunately, for him. But if he can go in there and he can go and beat someone of note like the Callum Smith coming to Anfield, like the Baturbia, you know, daring to be great, and for me, that would then make it a, a real situation where you've got to consider him one of the great Mexicans of all time. At the moment, for me personally, Julio says a Chavez Senior is the greatest Mexican of all time. 
it's up for debate, of course. People may say Morales or Barrera, but most people will probably agree Chavez Sr. But for Canelo to go to the top of that pile of the greatest Mexican fighter, there is a few more things I think he needs to do, and he's got the time to do it in the sport. I think he's he's still 29. You know, he could go till 32, 33 and get out of the game with, you know, all the accolades and, and, and potentially going down as one of the top pound-for-pound fighters of all time. And I think he can do it. I think the problem is with a lot of people is... The difficulties they have is like we're all jumping on the bandwagon because of what he's achieved in the sport and how how he's beaten all these these great fighters and his resume speaks for itself. The only problem is we 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 do say about other fighters who have been tested for other drugs, don't let him back in the sport. Jarrell Miller being one of them, and it's hard because although Jarrell Miller, what he taken was clear evidence of of you know trying to performance enhance himself. The issue with Canelo's side of things was it wasn't actually a performance-enhancing drug that, that he got caught with. It was actually one that strips fat off your body. So do you then start to go into the real nitty-gritty of things and start saying, well, actually, this wasn't as bad as that? Or do you have to stick with you know being consistent and saying, look, at the end of the day, he was caught, he was banned, and we should put them all in the same pot? What do you think about that? Because that's what stirs a lot of people up at the moment. I think I think the fact is is that Sal Canelo Alvarez is the man, isn't he? Since since Mayweather has retired, he has become the mega money. He's the cash machine, um, especially now since Anthony Joshua's last defeat. Although Joshua's still raking it in, don't get me wrong, he's going to get a substantial amount of money for the fight he's got coming up with Ruiz. But Canelo is the man. He's the main drawer, isn't he? He's the man that people are going to stay up to the early hours of the morning to watch because. He is terrific when you watch him in the ring. He's just, he really is an excellent fighter to watch. But I do, all the time I watch him, I always think, you know, it's always there in the back of my mind with the drug scam and and the fact that he gets a six-month ban and just sweeps, sweeps it under the carpet as if it's nothing. Um, it just, it does frustrate me. Um, and it, we, we, I mean, people, and with Tyson Fury, for instance, he's another one, it's the same thing with it, contaminated meat that he, he threw out there and said it's the same thing with him, him and his cousin, Huey. And, and uh, you know, I, I just don't get it. I think, you know, these guys are millions and millions of pounds uh, or dollars, whatever, you know, they're in a substantial amount of money. And, and for these guys to be eating contaminated meat, for me, just baffles me. I don't quite understand it. You know, they, these guys should have a team around them that are specialised in exactly what they're giving them. They should know exactly what they're putting in their body. So they shouldn't be failing drug tests. Um, on the other hand, you know, we've heard it a lot in terms of the several fighters prob- probably cheating and not getting caught. If that is the case, then, you know, something needs to be done. I mean, the six-month ban is, is, is just ridiculous. And, um, and I don't understand it. I mean, for Canelo and Canelo's respective, you know, he, he accepted, he said, look, this is what happened. So this is why I failed the test. So he has admitted it in a way. And then the, the, the punishment that's been dished out has been six months. So you can't punish him for the punishment he's received. It's an actual, it's, it's a bigger, it's a bigger situation in terms of we need to get, get hold of this and we need to look at it and we need to say, look, what on earth is going on? Why are these guys, uh, either they're cheating or something's not going right, you know, there needs to be some sort of regulation in place, and I just don't think it's it's stringent enough. It's not strict enough. Unless, if you're a big money making machine like Sal Canelo Alvarez, you're going to get away with it. If you're, I don't know, you're Tim down the road, you know, and you've had ten fights and you've 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 messed up, you're probably going to get a two year ban. So, 
it's just not right. It's not an even playing field, and it's a bit of a, it's just a black mark on boxing, really. <laughs> you're right, you're right, Johnston, and I think that's basically what sums up a lot of people's thoughts. And it's very, very difficult. And I think now we we have to move on and not get sort of in, yeah. in, in, in embroiled in that conversation too much. <laughs> uh, I think what we've got to look at next really is is what's next really for Canelo. I think we've I think we both know what the answer is going to be for Kovalev, which is to to go sailing off into the sunset with all his money now with that Canelo payday. I think for Canelo, however. There's a good little list that I put together, and I think these are the type of fights that I want to see him in now over the next couple of years. So we've got Bivol at light heavyweight, Baturbiev at light heavyweight, Smith at super middleweight, Benavides at super middleweight, Plant at super middleweight, or the third Golovkin rematch at middleweight. Now, I'd like to see any one of them fights, uh, but next, what can you see next on the horizon for him? Off, off. I don't know. I mean, I, I think he will drop down to super middleweight. Um, so you look at the super middleweight division and all those names there are names that he probably would look at. Um, Callum Smith would be a massive fight for him because Callum Smith is almost like a light heavyweight when he steps in that ring. Um, he's in his prime. He can hit, I believe he hits harder than Kovalev. Um, and I think that would be a tough night for Canelo. Um, I do probably... Still give him, make, I'll make him favourite because um, again, I mean, Smith beat Groves. Granted, uh, Groves is an excellent fighter, but he's no Canelo. Let's be honest in terms of what this guy can deliver in the ring. I would say the Smith fight is the one uh, um, that I believe is it's a good fight for him. You know, it, I think Canelo will feel comfortable at the weight, and I think it, he's the best in the the other guy that's the best in the division in absolute middleweight. If you're gonna no, I suppose he spans across three divisions now, doesn't he? The middleweight, the middleweight, or the light heavy. If he goes, for me, if he stays a light heavy, I think he should fight Bivol. Um, I mean, I would like him to fight Baturviev, but he won't go near him. He won't go near him at all because I think Baturviev is just too much of a monster. He's like Kovlev was when he started out, um, and he's too much of a beast. Bivol, in the, on the other hand, I think he's he pretty much is a, a super middleweight. Bivol, he's quite small. He's a, he's a good fighter, again, excellent fighter, really. Um, that'd be an intriguing matchup and. But again, I don't think Canelo would be interested. I think Smith is the only option, unless he does go with a plant. Um, the only other guy that sort of I thought about this morning was a Billy Joe Saunders. Um, I mean, he, he's he's not achieved what we expected him to achieve, really. But I still think that Billy Joe on his night would cause him a world of trouble. And I actually think that he probably would be one guy that could actually nick it on points, um, even with some of those crazy scorecards we get in Vegas um, yeah I, don't, I think I think super middleweight and it'd be any one of those guys that you mentioned yeah super middleweight is ideally where I'd like to see him go down to and I think the reason I'd like to see him go down to super middleweight is solely to quash the, the the issue of him winning a regular version of the WBA super middleweight title I think if he was to go in and win what people class as a legitimate world title then there'll be no more arguments about whether he's a three or a four weight world champion on, on record, he's classed as four-weight world champion, but obviously because that's a regular belt that he won at the super middleweight division, as we said on the preview episode, people are, uh, are obviously going to pour scorn over that. So I'd like to see him go down super middleweight and win a legitimate super middleweight world title. I don't want to see Golovkin 3. I don't have any interest in seeing that now. I think for me that ship has sailed. Callum Smith... 
at Anfield versus Canelo, massive fight. I think if Canelo wants to cement his legacy, he does need to travel outside of Vegas and he does need to be a fighting champion. All the best fighters have done it over the years. They've all had to travel at some point to, to, to sort of say they are the best fighters. And I think this is no different. I think Canelo needs to do the same, to be honest with you. I think they made a, a massive fight over here in the UK. I think... Whilst America is a massive draw, I think we, as the UK, have got big stadiums that can fill out and make some good money. And no matter what happens from the TV perspective, it's always going to sell out and sell lots of tickets and make lots of money for sure. So that was Canelo Kovalev. Great, compelling night for that. But the undercard obviously had a few fights on there of interest that we did speak about in the preview episode. Ryan Garcia looking absolutely phenomenal, dispatching of Romero Duno in one round, absolutely obliterated. It was over before it even started, and he just looks fantastic in the lightweight division, and I'm really excited for, for some of the future fights for him, Johnston. I really am as well, Ryan Garcia. I mean, what a finish. I did not expect that. Um, you know, I'm, I didn't know too much about Romero, uh, Romero Duno, but anyone, you, you get rid of anyone quickly with that shot. At first, when I first see it so quickly, I thought, hold on a minute here, what on earth is that? He's gone down well easy. And then when they showed the replay, he, did, he does catch him right on top of the head and sort of near the temple area, and that can uh, scramble your senses. So, um, you know, it was a clear knockdown for me, a knockout, and, and a great, fabulous performance from Ryan Garcia. And hopefully, um, he, can, he moves on and gets himself a real big name because uh, he, he's one for the future to look out for. And also, we were talking about the debut of Evan Holyfield, the son of Evander, making his debut on this card at Super Welterweight. And again, that was another first-round blowout. I think something ridiculous, like 29 seconds into the first round, he absolutely destroyed his opponent, Nick Winstead, who obviously came in with no wins and one loss on his record. So, obviously, he's a relatively novice himself. And Evan Holyfield destroyed him. It looked like it had been stopped a little bit too soon. But then again... Could he have finished the fight afterwards? Probably. He probably could have gone on. The fighter maybe deserved the opportunity to, to, to show whether he could carry on or not. But, hey, it is what it is. It was stopped and Evan Holyfield makes an emphatic debut there. Great, great to see him come out there. And I'm looking forward to see what happens in his future. So, for me, that was that was sort of the sum of what I managed to catch up with with the, with the Canelo Kovalev card. And my attention turns more over to, to Manchester now and obviously the card that we had over here and the last dance for Anthony Crawler and the the controversial last dance I've got I've got to add as well and this uh, this caused again another bit of controversy really uh, across social media and divided opinions because this was Crawler's last fight we knew he was there to, 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 to go out on a high and we knew it was a, a, a weird situation because not many fighters get to do what he he has done basically, and that's just go out on his own terms. Essentially, you get beat, and then you go, and then that's it. You don't normally get the opportunity to come back and have that one more fight, have that victory. And to be honest, he was very, very lucky to get that victory. And, and to be honest, I felt sorry for Urquaga Ur- because I felt Urquaga came over and won that fight, and it felt like he uh, felt like he got a little bit robbed there on the night. And I'm, I'm not afraid to say that, even though I really like Crawler, he's a nice guy, nice guy to speak to in person, but. He was he was shafted a little bit, Urquiaga on the night. I felt Corolla looked every bit he's thirty two years of age in there, and every bit is forty five fights down the line for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I am really confused with uh, 
Steve Gray's card of 98, 92. Um, I like Steve Gray as a referee, but what on earth was he watching? Um, John Foster, no better, 97, 93. Uh, Michael Alexander, 95, 95, is probably the one you would say you, you could go with. You could say, all right, yeah, I could see a draw potentially, but absolutely got robbed, uh, the poor fellow, um, Corolla. He was off the pace, wasn't he? I mean, like you say, he was showing it every ounce of his age in the ring. And rightly so, he has called it a day because uh, performances like that wouldn't have been good enough. Maybe in the back of his head, knowing it's his last fight, his last hurrah, maybe he didn't train quite as well as he should have. Um, probably found it difficult at times and quite emotional to get himself up for the fight. I'm pleased he got the win. Let's get you know, let's get it right. I mean, what what Frank uh, was it? Is it Yuri Yuri Garda? I can't. I'm, I'm just terrible with names, but um, I do feel for very stormed out of the ring. Bless him, and I understand why he did because he's got robbed. He, he fought really well, and you know he would cause it. He's a good guy to have it. If anybody, you know, you're looking at it um, as in Eddie Earn is in terms of. A future opponent, he's definitely one for him to to get back on the card, and give him some money, just to make sure that you know. Just I don't know, really, just just to help him out a little bit because that was a bit of a robbery. But you know, end of the day, Corolla got the win. Um, and the one thing that was nice was the fact that it was the main headline, which was something that we we discussed was that he might not have been the main headline, and um, Kate Taddy was going to be the main headline, and it wasn't the case, and and he uh, came out last, which was great. They made the right decision. I'm telling you, they made the right decision doing that because, like we both agreed, if they would have put Katie Taylor on last after Crawler, I'm telling you now, the majority of the the Crawler fans would have buggered off and gone out on the piss in town. Simple as that. That's how. That's what would have happened, and you would have had half of the crowd that were buzzing in anticipation for the Crawler fight not there anymore, and that would have been really sad for Katie Taylor because what she achieved on Saturday night was was amazing. Again, historical. The fact that she's moved up to, to super lightweight and picked up a world title at super lightweight in a tough fight with Leonard Artu, you know, for me was, was fantastic. And there was, you know, young girls in that crowd that they, they were showing on Sky Sports that had signs for Katie Taylor. So, you know, she's inspiring a generation of young females coming through who, who you know, who, it's for, for them it's, you know, you can go and do this. That's that's the impression she's giving off. You, as as a young girl, can go into a boxing gym and you can achieve what I can achieve if you put your mind to it. And that's the sort of vibe she's giving off by what she's achieving in the sport. The one thing I will say about her fight with Leonard Arty was that it looked a lot tougher than what that possibly maybe people thought it was going to be. And whilst people maybe weren't giving Leonard Arty the, the credit she deserves on the night, I do feel, and this is probably going to sound maybe a little bit controversial to some, but this is how I saw it. I do feel like Katie Taylor is starting to look her age a little bit in the ring, as in she's 33 years of age now. She's had a storied amateur career. And I felt like she was a little bit, at times, a little bit slower than what she normally was to avoid some of the punches in there. And it feels like maybe her faculties may be starting to starting to slow a little bit. I mean, she's, like I say, 33, storied amateur career, loads of fights throughout her amateur career. And I feel like she's possibly there for the taking. And again, bold statement, I know people will be screaming going, no, what are you talking about? I do feel like she's there for the take and I do feel like maybe and a big fighter like a, an Amanda Serrano could possibly be the one or the pursuing rematch could could be the ones to, to, to end her undefeated record yeah I, I, do you know what I agree with you Sean um, I think um, the judging again uh, will have to knock it a little bit I mean 93 97 
uh, for Katie on two of the cars was um, was a bit too wide for me. I thought it was a lot closer than that. I thought Katie, Katie deserved to win the fight, but just by a round or two. But yeah, I think she probably could be there for the taking. Um, whether she uh, maybe overlooked her opponent and thought she'd take her easy, I don't know. Um, but it, I mean, it's a good fight. Um, but I do think that um, yeah, she 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 definitely is looking her age a little bit. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with her moving on. Um, I'm, the one thing I'm, I'm dying to talk about is, uh, is is Felix Cash against Jack Cullen, which I thought was the fight of the weekend. I thought it was the fight of the night on this card, and I thought it's the best fight I see this weekend. And and what a fight it was! And and Jack Cullen, you know, for all of his advantages he's got with his size, you know, he's just wanting to use his jab a little bit more and fight a distance. But wow, what an absolute belter of a fight that was! Oh, mate, it was a cracking fight. That was the fight of the night, mate, uh, for me. I thought that topped any of the other fights on the card. It was absolutely brilliant. It was very back and forth. It was one minute you're thinking Cash is going to finish this off really early, and then Cullen manages to come back after an early knockdown to be able to get back up and, and really hurt Cash as well. And I just feel like, for me, this was uh, you know the the night where Felix Cash has kind of put himself out there as, as one of the best middleweights in the UK now because to be able to defend his Commonwealth title in that fashion against a guy who was there uh, to, to, to really give it him and had a chin and a half on him, and I knew Jack Cullen had a chin and a half on him as well, and I didn't realise how much of a tough son of a gun this guy is until we seen this <laughs> fight. And I'm telling you now, it's not the end for Cullen. He has got some great fights left in him, but for Felix Cash, for me, that just kind of shows how far he's come as a fighter. Oh, massively! It was just, it was just brilliant. As, as you say, that first round, you know, I did think that maybe Cullen's come out a bit too quick, and you know, I was right in a way. And then he got caught, and I thought, oh dear, you know, with Howard Foster refereeing it as well. Sometimes I think he can jump in a bit early, um, and and thankfully he let it, he let it go on, and he was almost at the end of that first round, so he was able to sort of recover, wasn't he? And and and, he, and boy, did he recover! How quickly does he recover, Cullen? It was, it was brilliant. It really was, and then. You know, you're thinking, Felix, he puts the pressure on and then Cullen comes back and it was just relentless. It was just a brilliant eight-rounder. And it, at one point, I thought Cullen might just get a... Just, just, I, think, I thought Cash might have been losing the, you know, a little bit of ground in terms of you know his stamina. I thought maybe he's just gone too hard and it just expecting to get rid of him after the first round knockdown and Cullen's going to come back because he looked quite fresh. And then in the end, it got stopped, obviously, in the eighth and rightly so. Was, I thought, to be honest, I thought it probably should have just been stopped as he got caught with a big left hand and he sort of just fought with a, he sort of fell across them ropes and I thought, oh, I need to stop in at this point because he looked really badly hurt and he took another couple of shots and eventually Harold Foster did step in not long after. But um, a great fight and just what what an excellent an excellent way of, of uh, just UK boxing as as a, in general, you know, English, British, Scottish, you know, no matter what card you have, you know, people may knock them. And, you know, Felix Cash and Jack Cullen, people may have looked at that and thought, yeah, Felix is going to win this easily. And, and boy, did Cullen put on a show. And, and what a brilliant fight. I just have to say that, though, one of the best fights I've seen domestically this year. And they deserve a load of credit. And Felix Cash, obviously, God, this is just definitely... It's cemented his spot as one of the best middleweights in Britain at this level, 100%. Certainly has. What about Martin Bicole then? Obviously getting his first round stoppage of Rodney Hernandez. Again, Rodney Hernandez had obviously come over last minute to, to sort of give 
Bacoli an activity uh, and an opponent for activity. But yeah, he just looks really, really good. And I think now after that loss to Michael Hunter, they've really turned him around. And I think although Billy Nelson's had plenty of arguments on social media with different trolls and fans and other fight you know, people in the fight game about whether Bacoli should have been in the ring that night and the mistakes that were made. I think they've really turned it around and I think he's definitely ready now for a big fight. And I heard him talking about, you know, potentially putting him in with Daniel Dubois in December. And I'll I tell you what, what a fight that would be if them two squared off. Oh, that'd be a cracking fight. I like the sound of that. I think that would be, uh, that uh, Daniel Dubois would learn a lot and I think Bacoli would learn a lot and, you know, as, we've been great admirers of Hunter. So, you know, the thing is, we've, I think Hunter is in that top, sort of top six, top eight, if you like, in the world. I really believe he's that good. And I think uh, Martin Bacalli losing to Michael Hunter is, you know, you can't really knock it in a way. I think uh, people are probably too quick to say he's maybe being, being touted for big things too early. Uh, but, wow, what a cracking fight. I'd love to see that. I really would. So the rest of the card then was made up with Keish Asfak beating Joe Ham, and we had Kamal Yafai beating my mate Lee Clayton within three rounds, Dalton Smith winning his fight, and then also Nathan Farrell, guest on the show previously, also picking up his third professional win on that outing. So it was the last dance for Anthony Crawler. He said farewell. It's good to see a, a good end to a career. It wasn't in the fashion I thought it would be in, however. He got the result on the night and he got the send-off, which not a lot of fighters get to go out in that fashion, to be honest with you. So I, I was happy to see him go out uh, in, in that fashion than I would have been you know, seeing him go out flat on his back. And that, for me, was, was kind of more important than anything as a, as a fan and you know as someone who I've, who I've caught up with over the years. So, yeah, really happy for that and obviously really happy for... for obviously some of the other guys on the night one fight i've sort of not failed to mention yet uh, and i was saving it to last was terry harper versus vivian obanoff terry harper defending her ibo world super featherweight title and i tell you what she's just come on leaps and bounds over the past few fights she is someone that i've been looking at for a while now on the on the smaller hall circuit and watched her make her way up to the matchroom circuit and and since she's been on matchroom she's just excelled and she's just shown what everybody around the Yorkshire area has been seeing for quite a while. Brilliant victory over Obanov, who was a previous opponent of Katie Taylor's and also stopped Natasha Jonas last year as well. So she was coming in there to win and I tell you what, she gave up a good fight even with that big swelling on the, on the left cheek and then Terry Harper beautifully boxed, picking up a great victory and I tell you what, she's She's right up there now. She's really pushing herself into into positions for fighting for another world title soon, in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed that fight. I thought Terry Harper put on a good performance. Um, I thought it was a good fight. I thought he was probably behind the Phoenix Cash and Jack Cullen. That's probably the next fight I'd say was was a really good scrap. I thought Terry, she, don't, she did really well. I mean, that's, to be honest, the first time I've seen Terry Harper, I've heard seen her on the cards and stuff I've never I've seen she's been winning fights um, she's gone what 8-0 and now or 9-0 and with this win um, and I, you know as I say I've, I've heard of her name I've never seen her fight before it's the first time I was able to witness um, the, the fight and, and I really enjoyed it I thought you know she's definitely one to look out for and you know she's a confident girl as well when she was talking afterwards and she was watching the Katie Taylor fight I think you know, Red, I mean, she's a super feather. She could quite easily uh, take on Katie. I think that's something she wants to do. Um, um, good, good for her. I think she would give Katie a good fight. And um, maybe another couple of fights, and then, you know, Katie could be there for the taking. Who knows? Terry Harper, Katie Taylor, down the line, maybe next year or year after. 
Um, but yeah, a really good performance. And I, do you know what? I didn't realise that Vivian was the girl that beat uh, Jonas. Um, I, I, it slipped my mind. But uh, yeah, she was. Well, I knew I recognised her when I was watching her. I thought I'd see her from somewhere. But really good performance from Terry Harper. And, and, and hopefully she can move on and get a big name. So also then, another big fight over the weekend that will have escaped a lot of people's minds is Miguel Michel beating Jason Zosa over the weekend to defend his WBC super featherweight title, stopping him in four rounds. Uh, I tell you, Michel is just a guy who, I feel like over in the UK, is he's not even spoke about that often. He's not even spoke about as a great fighter. He's... He's just a guy that's that's known more to the American Mexican audiences, and no one really thinks about him, you know, over in the UK. I know, obviously, I'm not speaking for every fight fan in the UK because I know there's a lot of fight fans that do know who he is and do know how good he is, but there's a lot that don't, and I think it's it seems to be lack of exposure over in the UK for Pachel for the fight fans. But Boxrec, I've got him as the number one super featherweight in the world. And and behind him, you've got guys like Tevin Farmer and Javonta Davis, who we'll come on to a little bit later on uh, regarding his altercation with Adrian <laughs> Broner. And, you know, you've got uh, Jamel Harrion as well in there, and you've got some great names. But I think for, for me, Bocelli's an absolute beast. He's an animal. And yet nobody in the UK, or not a lot of like, fight fans, really talk about Bocelli in the same fashion as, as what I do. And you know, for the select few that do, they know exactly what they're watching on the night, and it just seems like every time he's got a big fight coming up, it seems to be overshadowed by something else all the time. It is, it's, it's a real shame, actually. The, the fight, once again, slips under the radar, um, and he is, I mean, he's making his sixth defence against Sosa. Um, and, and I tell you what, if anyone hasn't seen this guy, please go back and watch some of his fights and then... When he comes up next, you've got to watch him. He, he's, for me, I mean, people talk about pound for pound. Everyone's shouting about Kano should be the pound for pound number one now after his, his win, which I can understand why someone would want to put him in the top like as the main man. But for me, Bertrand sits in the top ten. He's always a name and a sort of hovers around number eight and number ten for me. It, when I do, when I sort of, when I do get the chance to look at a pound for pound list, um, but he was again. He's, you just know what you're going to get with him, and it's just going to be a great fight. I mean, and and credit to Sosa, you know what he got done in four. But that first round, he he rocked Beltran as well um, in that first round, and Beltran was under a bit of pressure from the off, and then and then Beltran came back, and you know he tipped him with a nice left, um, and then basically it was from that shot. Sosa retreated a little bit and he, you could see it hurt him. And then from that point, it was just all Bertrand. And then he, you know, he delivered it. I think he even, um, I think he might have put him down again. I think he might have been the second or the third. I can't remember what round it was, but then the fourth eventually finished him. But, you know, Bertrand is, a, is an exceptional fighter. He's, he's one of the top 10 pound for pound fighters in the world for me. And, and he does get o- overlooked. I don't get it. I really don't because he's just brilliant to watch. I mean, I love guys that are going to attack and, and fight that way, you know. Uh, that's just that's just my how I love to see fights pan out. And, and Belchin's the guy that always does it. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it, Sean. Really, maybe it's just. Uh, I mean, he's on the top rank as well, isn't he? I, I believe he is. And um, you know, not promoting him too well. I, I don't quite get it. Maybe they've got too many names and they just sort of overlook him. I don't know. No, I don't either, and it's just a shame because, like I say, I think there's a, there's a, there's, you know, there's a, the majority of 
sort of UK wider audience don't really know him or, or get to see any of his fights because they don't really pick up on it. And then you get obviously another another sort of market of, of fight fans and people within the industry that do know who he is and, and do know how good of a fighter he is. And it just seems like a bit of a shame that he doesn't seem to be getting the big fight. I think that's what he needs. I think he needs a big fight, like a you know a real marquee name matchup because I think that's when people will then get to see the best of him and see more of him and get to understand how good of a fighter he is because at the moment we don't really appreciate it the guy's had 38 yeah. fights he's had one loss on his record and yet you know we're still a lot of us in the uk are still not getting to, to, to really understand how good of a fighter he is so it is such a shame for him but they were the main fights for me over the weekend that we caught up with i think we've we've managed to cover all of the the big fights off from the weekend i don't think we've missed any as such that that were really significant over this weekend, and you know, really, really tough to have got the opportunity to ca- catch up with all of it. Really, this weekend, it's sometimes it's difficult to catch it all up, but there's so much going on over the weekend. But I think we're we're all starting to look ahead to another weekend of of, of great boxing, and it's not even weekend; it's next next Thursday. This is Monday. It's Monday we're recording it. It's Monday night. This podcast is out, and on Thursday we've got the World Boxing Super Series. We've got Nao Inoue and Nonito Donaire happening on Thursday in Japan and you know it's it's completely escaped my mind that it's actually on Thursday until earlier today when I was speaking to, to, to one of my colleagues and I was like oh that fight's happening oh it's Thursday and I'm like oh my god it's Thursday what's going on we need we need to get some stuff done we need to get some some content out for this for this fight and it's uh it's creeped up on us really really quickly so we've got that to look forward to this Thursday but just touching on what I was alluding to a little bit earlier, the uh, the reports of Broner and Javonta Davis getting into a bit of a fist fight outside the dressing room of Canelo. What was, did you hear any more on that yourself? I just I, I vaguely see something saying that they had some sort of scrap, and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's all I know. Basically, I, I don't really know the ins and outs of it. Um, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I really don't with them too. God. I, I could, you know, them two are going to meet each other. Eventually, it's inevitable that someone's going to say something, and it's going to turn into some sort of, you know, just just a rolling around the floor, whatever they're going to do. I, I don't know the ins and outs. I don't know what happened, Sean, but I do know it, there was an altercation, and I don't know who came out on top. No. <laughs> I, I heard that Broner had, had, had hurt Javonta Davis. That's what I'd read. But again, then, well, the same thing that I'd read was called out by another journalist in America as bullshit. So for me, that's just kind of, <laughs> you don't really know unless he was there or unless it was actually filmed by anybody and there's no footage and nobody's really come out and clarified any of the situation. So as far as, I, as far as I'm aware, they've had a bit of an altercation and maybe it was something and nothing. I don't know, but it is what it is. I think uh, some Something else I was reading over the weekend that was quickly wanted to touch on before we call it a close to our reaction uh, of the big fights this weekend is the fact that the WBC have now instated Tyson Fury as the number one challenger to the WBC title against Deontay Wilder, basically putting Dillian White in a position because he's still got issues with this dreaded B sample in the UCAD situation. They've basically removed him from that place of mandatory for the title and put Fury in there instead. Do you think that was a, a wise move? Yeah, I think um, with the way things are going with, with Dillian, um, we're still waiting on this B sample and it's just taking an eternity and Tyson's fighting Wilder in a way. Um, it's going to be the fight that's going to be happening after Ortiz, as long as Wilder Dick does get through that. Um, we expect him to. I mean, I don't know how old Ortiz is now, is he? Yeah. 
50 still, is he? I don't know. <laughs> I think that uh, <laughs> he's, an, he's an old boy, and he Wilder should be getting rid of him, let's be honest. Um, and the, the, the Fury fight should be there in February. Um, you know, we, we see uh, the old WWE the other day with, uh, <laughs> yes. I did catch a little bit of it with, with Tyson Fury and did he do, did he rise up from the canvas like the Undertaker? I knew that would happen. I mean, that was an obvious one, wasn't it? And then um, he, he did floor him, didn't he? Uh, he knocked him out. Um, you know, it's all fun and games, isn't it? I mean, the one thing I was expecting was Bob Squad <laughs> and then to walk out. It didn't happen. That was, that was a dream of mine. Um, but yeah, um, so February seems to be the date um, and Fury's going to do the business. I think he's the number one contender. He's fighting Wilder. Um, as I say, as long as Wilder comes through, as we expect against Ortiz, um, you know, he'll be come out banging his chest. I'm the best heavyweight in the world and hopefully everything going well, Tyson Fury will fight him on in February in America and he will do the business and I do still believe he will and I think he will box his head off. This time he won't get caught and this time he'll win this by a unanimous decision. So I'm expecting... Uh, you know, I understand what the WBC are doing. You know, I don't really... Does that mean Dillian White slotted down to, what, number three or number one? Or is he... Obviously, he's not number one contender, so is he, like, number two or whatever now? That, I, don't, I haven't seen the ranking, so I'm not sure how they've done it, but I'm guessing Fury's the one who's just slotted in above him. I think they've actually removed him. I think they've just removed him oh. temporarily. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm sure that they've removed him temporarily while this issue is being dealt with and then he may get reinstated back to his position once the results of these findings are finally sort of dealt with and, and, you know, if he's cleared, which is what, you know, we're hoping he is, he's hoping he's cleared and he isn't proven to be uh, a cheat, then, you know, hopefully we'll be able to talk about a future fight for him and and, and how the landscape of the heavyweight division's changed, uh, you know, over the next few months with obviously Joshua Ruiz 2 happening in, in little less than four weeks' time. So, you know, there's a lot going on with the heavyweight boxing scene at the moment. You've got Hunter and Povetkin that's been announced for that undercard. Cracking fight for the undercard. And you've also got Scott Quigg and John O'Carroll. Again, another great fight for the undercard. So, so far, that's shaping up to be uh, pretty decent so far. But other than that, Johnston, I don't have anything more to add to this episode of the Big Fight Reaction. Kovalev and Canelo give us a compelling fight over the weekend. And Kovalev goes out on his shield and we get Canelo four-weight world champion or in some people's eyes a three-weight world champion. But certainly has got to be up there as pound-for-pound number one and and with, with a shout for being one of the best Mexicans of all time. Absolutely, and, and and let's get it right. I mean, I've been we've, we've had our knocks. I've had my feelings with Canelo, but when it comes to actually getting in the ring and watching this guy and seeing what he delivers, he's a quite exceptional fighter. He really is. He's a different beast, and he's you know you just got to try and put all this other stuff away because when you fight, when you watch him as a fighter, you can't help but just be in awe of the way he can fight and the way he can mix it up and just. It's just that he really is a pleasure to watch, and 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 fairness to this, this is Kovlev. I thought he done it. He done well. He tired and he got caught, and it worked. It was a beautiful game plan from Canelo. He will be one of the greatest ever Mexicans that's ever lived. Irrelevant, maybe and might not be the best, but he's definitely up there already in the top four, top five. And um, we'll see what happens and what what, he, what else he can deliver in the future. And going to be great to watch and, and enjoyable to, to see how his, his career pans out. But, you know, we're talking about a great fighter. 
in a good era and um yeah a great fight really in terms of how intriguing it was and uh just just great fun to watch and and, and it's always good to watch Canelo. so let's see what happens but good weekend of boxing again certainly was so if you've been listening to this and you've enjoyed it please go and let us know on social media on twitter at btr boxing pod or facebook at btr boxing podcast if you've not already subscribed to it you can do so by checking us out on podbean stitcher spreaker player fm spotify and apple Podcasts as well if you've not already rated and reviewed please go and do it because it truly truly helps us that's it for this episode we'll be back later on this week with a career profile of michael spinks and the following week we've got the legendary night series is back with a bank as we have barry mcguigan versus eusebio pedroza from 1985 see you next time fight fans Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.